Science. 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 Perspective. 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 Science. Perspective. Welcome to A Writer in the Lab podcast from Newcastle University, providing you with inside perspectives from scientists and engineers in their own words, discussing the nature of science and engineering, the joys and challenges of doing research, and why it matters. In this second edition, we speak with researchers in cyber-physical and digital twin research and Siemens Mindsphere Lab. All are based in the Urban Sciences Building at Newcastle Helix, a flagship development for science, technology, business, living and leisure. The Helix is creating a global centre for urban innovation in the heart of Newcastle. Cyber-physical systems are everywhere, from autonomous vehicles and state-of-the-art buildings to robotics and manufacturing assemblies. Dr Ken Pierce and Dr Carl Gamble from the School of Computing introduce us to cyber-physical systems, what it's like to work in computing and industry, and how they got started in careers that combine computer science with engineering. Mindsphere is an operating system for the Internet of Things, a network of devices such as vehicles, appliances and buildings that send and receive data and interact. The Mindsphere Lab is working with researchers at Newcastle University to meet the needs of an increasingly digitised and data-driven world. Elliot Hausman and Krisha Parekh tell us what it's all about. Elliot Hausman, I'm a Mindsphere application engineer working for Siemens here in the Mindsphere lab located in the Urban Sciences building at Newcastle University. So Mindsphere is Siemens Internet of Things platform and we are trying to create industrial applications where we can take in data sets and perform some analytics, apply some algorithms and then output that into an app and generate value or benefit to a customer or a product or a manufacturing line, whatever it might be, and and then get some real insight from, from the data. So Siemens has created uh, the MINE network, which stands for Mindsphere Innovation Network. And within the UK, we have three locations, Newcastle, Sheffield, and Lincoln. And they're all in... Uh, in and around universities. So Newcastle, we've got the Mindsphere Lab. In Sheffield, we have the Mindsphere Lounge. Uh, and in Lincoln, we have the Mindsphere Studio. We also have um, one in Germany, in Aachen. And so with being in located within the university, we have access to, to the university's research, to students, academics, lots of data scientists, and we can hopefully bring them into Mindsphere projects. So Mindsphere not only allows you to take data from individual pieces of equipment, but import data from different data sets from, from other areas as well. So hopefully that will provide um, some more interesting characteristics that you might not necessarily see if you just focused on, say, the, the asset itself. An asset could be anything. So it could be a machine drive, it could be a control system, it could be... For example, the urban science building it could be a motor, it, it could be um, a battery system. Just anything that collects data, in my mind, is an asset because that data is the the critical point that we're trying to access. For example, you, yourself, if you wore a Fitbit, you're the asset, and that then tells you 
how many steps you've done, how much sleep you've got. And you then use the app to say, okay, should I be getting more sleep? Should I be doing more exercise? And MindSphere does the exact same thing, but in an industrial application. It looks at saying, okay, how many rotations has this machine performed? How, how long is it run until it last um, needed maintenance? And then you're able to feed those characteristics and the data into something like MindSphere into the cloud that then says, okay, after say 500 hours of runtime, we need maintenance to, to stop it from having downtime or, or something like that. So you typically would look at the asset. From the asset, you would then connect that to the cloud. Now, there's a number of ways you can do that with MindSphere. You can use um, some of the gateway devices. There is also the MindConnect libraries as well, which is a software-based solution. So you, you can use either of those ways to connect your machine directly to the cloud. And then that way the data is sent securely and that no one can, can hack or, or break into the, to, to your data. So MindSphere includes artificial intelligence and machine learning um, aspects to it. So you can have apps within MindSphere that will learn from the data sets that are being collected. So you can look for particular patterns and then it will learn upon that and say, okay, based on this data set, could I predict the next time a piece of equipment might break? That way then you can then say, okay, if I know this is going to break at the, the thousandth hour mark, I can get the right piece of equipment or the replacement part with the right person to fit it at the right time. And therefore you're not having to then keep that replacement part in storage for, for longer than it's needed. You can then coordinate your downtime um, to reduce that as well. So there's lots of benefits to, to using that part of MindSphere. And then you can yeah generally train um, MindSphere on lots of different data sets to provide that, that insight. So any, any local industries who want to come into the lab where we've got open door policy to them so they can come in, have a tour, we'll give them an overview of MindSphere and we're able to connect and, and potentially utilize MindSphere on a, on a problem that they might have. And that's one of the benefits of being located here at the university. The university obviously has a lot of connections within local industries and obviously Siemens has connections as well. As companies are moving towards digitalization, Industry 4.0, they want to have more than just a product, more than just a piece of machinery or a piece of control system, whatever it might be. They want to then take that product further and understand the characteristics behind it, the efficiencies, how it's performing and how it's generating value for them. Because there are data sets being generated by these machines that just aren't being utilized. And so Siemens and with the use of MindSphere want to start generating more and more service type applications. And that's where MindSphere can solve a lot of those problems in industry. So you can get these these apps that help to generate, for example, water utilities as a service, manufacturing as maybe a service, and rather than selling a, a product, you're moving towards a service. And that you're not just 
bound by say a warranty you're then working with a customer for for a longer period of time to to help them in their needs the benefits the I don't want to say they're endless, but it's up to your imagination to, to kind of pull out that that benefit and that value. So a lot of the data can now be visualized inside of an app. So you could get, take it down from right to a technician to say, okay, on a day-to-day basis, what do they need to see? You could say, okay, that technician might receive alerts or telemetry to say, okay, Uh, A product's running too hot, too fast, too cold, and the voltage is too high, whatever the the issue might be, they can go and perform maintenance on a day-by-day basis. You can then go up one level and say, okay, if I'm a a site manager or a building manager, how is my building or how is a, a bunch of my assets performing? And then they can then cascade that data up another level to to say, okay, maybe I'm a fleet manager, how am I buildings doing across say the UK, Europe, whatever it might be and say okay what is this building or say how is this building uh, performing better compared to another building why is that, can we perform some analytics to say why that building is performing better could we learn something from that building and apply it to another building as well and so it it offers a lot of uh, benefits from, from lots of different areas as long as you're willing to kind of look at the data spend some time on it and, and extract that value. My name is Krisha Barik. So um, I'm the Mindsphere Innovation Network intern in the lab. I'm basically trying to get my hand into a few different part, parts of Mindsphere. So I'm trying to get a f- some of the project management skills as well as get involved in some of the technical aspects. My projects involve firstly um, engaging more with the university, scoping out projects if there are any, and um, just communicating what Mindsphere does to more people within the university. And then I've also got a couple of projects that I'm currently working on. One of them is the the whole of the Urban Sciences Building is um, has building management systems that are Siemens manufactured and I'm trying to get that data connected onto Mindsphere so that we can analyze different aspects of the building. I just completed my master's in biomedical engineering. I think I've I've always had the aptitude for maths and physics but I just wanted to do something that was slightly different and biomedical engineering kind of gave me that because I was working towards helping people but in an engineering perspective so I could look at the biomedical uh, biomedical side of things but it was I was still getting to do what I really liked after I graduated I was looking for something that I, I as part of my master's my thesis involved something that was more to do with the internet of things and that's where I got involved interested in this topic and that's why Uh, I'm here right now to kind of explore it a bit more and learn more. My sister is disabled. We moved from India to London and she used a wheelchair and uh, from like a manual wheelchair where someone was lugging her around. She got an electric wheelchair, she can drive here, not something that would be possible in India. That's kind of what got me interested in engineering and that's kind of where I'd want to go. I want to... the, the thing that gets me most, most excited is the difference it can make in someone's life. And the, with, with my sister, it was the amount of independence she got from moving from one country to another just because of the amount of opportunities she had because of engineering and because of the way the country works. But I think that's 
kind of where I'd want to go and that's what I've been aiming for to just sort of do something that will make a difference. With everything right now, in order to expand research, I think data is a massive part of that. And so even in the healthcare industry, if we could collect data and then analyze that data, I think that's where MindSphere would come in to help with that. My name is Ken Pierce. I'm a lecturer in cyber physical systems here at Newcastle University in the School of Computing. I was always interested in how things work. I used to build Lego models, I used to build models out of cardboard of space shuttles. It was always interesting when things moved. My father worked in computing, so I was introduced to computers. This was in the 1990s, so the internet was just coming out and there was all this new exciting stuff happening. So I chose computing over engineering just because it was a new exciting thing that I I hadn't seen. But um, I studied at Newcastle University doing computer science with a software engineering um, spin, which means I studied some bit more in detail about not just writing computer programs but how to engineer them and applying engineering techniques so rigorous design things like that to the computing side so I never really lost my engineering background. I became a postdoctoral research associate which meant that I worked on a couple of large European projects funded by the European Commission and this took my expertise that I'd learnt in formal modeling for computing but then applied that to Uh, what became cyber-physical systems. At the time, we were looking a bit more small-scale at what we call embedded systems, so where we have computing elements embedded in the real world, such as uh, smart agriculture, so tractors that can drive themselves, plough fields on their own, some early autonomous vehicles, dredging excavators, so lots of machinery where you've got increasingly computer control. I'm Carl Gamble. Uh, I'm a research fellow here at Newcastle University. I have an interest in how things work. This, this, is, this has sparked an interest in how things work. So I, I, I chose to do uh, mechanical and, and manufacturing systems engineering. Uh, I, li- I like to build things, I like to make things actually do things and, and, and help people in some way. After my undergrad, I I went to work for a tier one automotive supplier as an industrial engineer, where I got to help out with the manufacturing processes. I used to program these fantastic water jet cutting robots where they they cut parts out just using a a very, very narrow, very high pressure beam of water. Uh, And I I rebuilt their, their, their synchronous delivery system. And then at that point, I decided that I actually prefer not to get my hands quite as greasy as I was doing and move more into computing. So when I left there, I came back to, to university. I came to Newcastle. Uh, I did a conversion MSc into, into computing and then stayed on here and did my PhD. So I've spent really the last 10 or so years uh, working in different types of modeling and simulation of physical systems, so sort of modeling and simulating the robots that I used to use and the processes uh, that I used to use. So a cyber-physical system is one where we have a cyber part and a physical part. So cyber comes from the Greek meaning to steer, and what it really means is we're using computers to control physical parts. And that means there's a very close connection between the physical elements and the control, the computing elements. So we have sensors in the real world, reading data, plugging that into our computers. Our computers are making decisions, and then they're sending back through what we call actuators. So this might be motors, uh, locks, uh, things like that, that will then affect the physical world. So examples of cyber-physical systems include 
smart buildings where we have sensors in every room, we can control the airflow, we can control the window blinds to try and make it a comfortable environment for people to work in and to study in here at Newcastle. We might think about autonomous vehicles where we have, um, instead of a driver taking control, increasingly we're going to have computers taking control of the car as it's driving, all the way up to full autonomy, which means the vehicle is making all the decisions about getting you from where you are to where you want to go. The the Festo rig is a piece of equipment that uh, we bought when we moved into this this nice new building because we suddenly had a lot more space than we used to, uh, and it's it's essentially uh, it's part of Festo's didactic range, which is their training equipment. So essentially, if you're an engineer that wants to learn how to put a, a, a um, uh, manufacturing line together physically or how to program the programmable logic controllers this is the sort of equipment you buy we bought it primarily because we we're interested in how you model and simulate this sort of system so so we bought it with a view to building simulation models of that system so that we, we can produce something that you could if you wanted to make a, a change to the program you could try it out in simulation first check that it works and then translate that that uh, model of the code of the program onto the real thing and, and, and demonstrate that it works so it's because we believe in model-based design we think it, it, it's a, it's a more efficient and and uh, uh, less risky way of, of doing changes festo are a, a very large automation company so they they produce they they produce a lot of um, pneumatic devices, cylinders, valves, etc., manipulators, but also mechanical and uh, electrical drives. So a lot of the things that, when you, if you go and see a production line, um, a lot of the things that are actually moving and gripping and doing that sort of thing are generally produced by companies, uh, by, by Festo. So the, the Festo rig is, if you think of it like a bottling plant, uh, that that's that's a pretty good analogy, which which is also quite useful, uh, quite a good thing given the site that we're on, being the old Newcastle Brewery site. So there are five stations on this Festo rig. This, this is a, a, a sort of training equipment, uh, but all the all the sensors and the actuators are are, are essentially the real thing. You, you you would see the same sensors, the same actuators on on a production line producing cars or or something like that. It's it's just smaller scale to allow you to use it inside inside a lab but the the process the uh, the processes you use to model it the processes you use to build the programs and the programmable logic controller those are all identical there, there's really no difference between those and the ones you would see on a, on a, on a full-scale manufacturing line except for the size it's just it's just a more convenient thing so essentially what we're going to do is, I've got it set up, it's going to send two parts through the process, uh, a red one that will go down into uh, the international uh, chute, and then a black one that we can take all the way through and, and put into a box. So I will launch that now. gets a bit noisy, see? So that's the part going on there. The red one's going to go along, It'll get a lid put onto it. along a bit further and it's currently being diverted down the international chute it's now being followed up by the black one it's going along so that one goes past the international chutes and goes into the warehousing station which will now go down pick up the part and it puts it onto the second tray which is where it needs to be 
Now, if we were doing this a lot, we could then produce a lot more uh, of these black parts. We've just got one on there now. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to set it up so it'll take that part out now and put it in a box for us. So it goes and gets the part from the, uh, from the tray, drops onto a little chute, and it gets detected by a sensor. The box gets opened. There's a little arm picking it up. Goes and drops it in the box, and it goes and folds it and closes it. And that's a really neat little mechanism. Um, I, I could honestly, I could watch that all day. It's so cute. And it comes to the end, and it doesn't fall off because we've got a sensor there. But that um, that that sort of process is could be the same. That could be perfume. That could be an Xbox, albeit a slightly bigger box, but there's basically the same sort of thing could be scaled up to do to do anything. And this is where Mindsphere, which is the, the lab, the, the Siemens effort that, we, that we're working with here now, is, is trying to help out. So essentially what we can do with that is we have a, a little box on the back of Festo Rig, and we can program that to go in and sample certain memory locations in the, in the PLCs. So it can tell us the value of a counter. It can tell us whether a sensor has been activated or not. And then what it can do is it will gather that data and it will send it up to the, the MindSphere cloud where we can store lots of data in, in time series. So we can, we can have lots of points that tell us what was the pressure level in a, in a hydraulic system, uh, how many parts were on each level of that warehousing. And then what we can do from that is we can do some sort of analytics. So you can say, okay, you could, you could simplest way is you could just plot a graph. You know, how many parts do I have in my work in progress throughout the day? Or you could do some sort of analytics to say, okay, what's happening with the air pressure throughout the day? So are, are there dips? Is, is there a general uh, trend up or down to do with the air pressure, which might indicate some, some problem with your pneumatic system? Um, in fact, one of the examples we've been working with with Siemens on this is um, manually uh, sort of breaking our pneumatic system by gradually reducing the pressure because uh, a lot of these components on this rig are pneumatic and, and seeing how that can be detected uh, in the MindSphere data. So we, we keep running parts through, gradually reducing the pressure and, and seeing what, what effect does that have in the data we're recording with a view to using that to, to automatically warn someone. So you could have it say, okay, when, when this part of the process takes um, 3.7 seconds instead of 3.2, then you can start to raise an alarm and say, okay, something's going wrong here. The manufacturing people need to send the maintenance people out to have a look at this and say, what's going off? So we can start to prevent problems uh, before they really happen. The thing with a model is it's only as good as it is predictive. So a model that doesn't match the actual real world is not going to be of any use. So we need to take these models and make sure they are accurate so that if we make a change, then that change is predictive of what would happen if we made a change in the real world. And this is what we call the design gap. So we often have models that we design nicely and should work fine. Then by the time it's gone through all the intricacies of the real world, such as building a building, things change, little mistakes are made. And then the model as designed is different from the system as built. And we'd like to be able to improve those models so that that gap is much closer together. 
And the way we can do this is by taking data from the real system, from the real world, and plugging that into our model. And this is what we call a digital twin. So twin implies that it's hard to tell apart the real and the digital version. So this is a digital copy of the real system. To make these digital twins accurate, we need to get data from the real world to calibrate or tune our twins. And MindSphere is a, a platform from Siemens that allows us to collect lots and lots of sensor data, and then use that data to automatically pursue, uh, automatically tune our digital twin. The digital twin has what we call a learning aspect. So the digital twin, as it runs and is simulated, and as more and more data comes in, the twin should get more and more accurate. So it should learn how the real system works. So MindSphere is a, a cloud platform that's able to both store data and process it. We can then ask it to process the data in a way that, that can then be fed into our digital twin. So you can imagine a circle of data going in, being processed, going into the twin, then making predictions that we can then apply in the real world. Then the actual results of those interventions, changes in the real world, will be fed back through MindSphere and back into the twin. So we have this design cycle, this operation cycle, where we're continuously reading data, processing it, learning. And that's one of the key things we're doing here at Newcastle, is to understand this data by working with Siemens, by working with MindSphere, to um, process this in the right way that can help companies and help uh, public authorities, for example, make better decisions about things that affect people day to day. So for your career side, if you're interested in studying computing or engineering, my advice would be to stay curious. Find something that really uh, you want to pursue. Don't do it just because you think you'll get a good job, but you should be really interested. I would try not to restrict yourself too early on. Um, I did A-levels in both physics, maths, German and English language, so I had a very broad interest. And having skills in English is really useful if you, for example, get into a career where you have to communicate with people, having studied these things. Um, don't feel that you have to have all your hobbies have to be computing or engineering. Try and have a wide range of hobbies because that makes you a more rounded person so that when you meet colleagues with different interests, you're able to interact with them. And future careers are going to be much more multidisciplinary. So you're going to have to work, if you're a computer engineer or computer scientist, you're going to have to work with engineers, you're going to have to work with social scientists, business managers. So having a very wide interest will help you interact with these people and help you have a good career in that area. My advice for anyone wanting to get into these areas is, is, to, is to be honest with yourself about what it is that drives you. What is it that you, you get up in the morning and want to do? So if you're the sort of person that gets up uh, and thinks, okay, I want to, I want to read about machine learning. I, I want to. How, how does a neural network? How, how do you, how do you train these things? Then that's the career you want to go down. If, if you're the sort of person that gets up and and wants to take your bike to bits to to understand how the derailleurs work, then perhaps more mechanical engineering is your thing. It, it's it's being honest about what what is it that really motivates you. What do you what do you find time to do? What do you, what do you when you when you see something. A, a, about an area you think okay I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna read that you know you, you, you make sure you do it it's, it's just you know follow that passion that that that's a real uh, it's, it's it's really really important because uh, certainly in the sort of research we do you spend a lot of time doing it 
so if you're not passionate about it, it's gonna after a while, it's you know it's, it's gonna start to to drag. And we, we you know honestly we have times where things are, are a little bit tricky, and, and you need to have that passion there to keep you going. So make sure it's something you want to do. You know, follow that passion. That's that's really important. You've been listening to a Writer in the Lab podcast from Newcastle University, presented by me, Tom Bramald, and produced by Brett Cherry and Tommy Howell. Want to learn more about our research in science, agriculture and engineering? Then visit our website at www.ncl.ac.uk forward slash sage.